Open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 5. It's really good to have a really good friend of mine, good basketball partner here to embarrass him again. Brian in the back, if you just raise your hand. He's uh, from Nigeria, and uh, he's a really good basketball player, a good friend, and I invited him, and he came today. I'm glad he's here. Glad you're here this morning. I want to talk this morning about uh, family, amen, and, and I actually, uh, it's how God works always. You know, I, I was one of the, this is one of those days where I've, lately I've been having the messages just come, 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 come right to me, and been on this fan and follower series, and this morning I couldn't get the clarity of what you wanted me to preach from this whole week, from Wednesday, and so I was praying between three messages, and then decided this one, and then Carla said she wanted to testify, so it leads perfectly in, you know, Andy talked about his situation, family, and, uh, you know, we can't preach enough messages on the family, and uh, I want to get into that this morning in Deuteronomy chapter 5, and if you're taking notes, I want to title this, uh, Raising a Covenant Family, amen, Raising a Covenant Family, how many want to see the family get strong in the church again? We can, we can automatically see this morning, church, that every problem we have in our society, and I want to read something that I might actually forget uh, later, so I'm going to read it now. It's an, in, in the notes, and this is a really good thing to write down uh, in a second. I'll say it, but the, the, our nation, um, the family's going to hell. Amen. That's just, an, I, don't know, I don't know of any better way to put it. It's, it's broken. It's, it's destroyed. It's messed up. Um, and I'm going to give some statistics, statistics in a second. Uh, actually, I'll read them right now. Uh, 750,000 teenagers get pregnant every year in the United States. 250,000 abortions happen every year by teenagers. 75% of teens will have sex by the time they're 20. That's 75%. I bet that was the ap- exact opposite when I, 20 years ago when I was a teenager. Um, 19 million Teenagers will catch STD. 66% of all abortions are teenagers. And so we know there's, there's, I think, 50 million abortions a year from the United States, I believe. A lot. And a great percentage of that is teenagers. Babies that are being killed. And the last one is the saddest. 40%, and I probably would, would... you know, sometimes when you're looking at the stats on the internet, it's hard to get a today one. But this, this is 40, but I, I would think it's higher. 40% of all children in the United States do not have a father in their life. You can't say did not have a father because obviously that's how they got here. But 40% of all kids, that's 4 out of 10, I would say probably closer to 5, half. So every two kids you see, one of those kids has no father in his life actively. Amen. Now, as we get into this message and we go over these things, I know that this is like a Father's Day, Mother's Day type of message where you begin to listen and and, and there's all different levels here. And there's all different people who are represented. And obviously God's will is that there'd be a man and a woman and children and a family together going to church, serving the Lord. That's God's will. And thank God for every family in this church that has that. That the mom and the dad are here and the, and the children are coming and they're raising the family together in church. And that is God's perfect will. 
But there's a lot of people who have been divorced. There's a lot of people whose father's not around. There's a lot of people whose mother's not around. There's a lot of people who have all the other different situations. And so you can still get something out of this because you can help your situation where you're at. If you're young and you're not a family, family uh, don't have a family yet, you can work on that. But the idea is that we be a covenant family. And how many have realized in church, as you've been coming to church and learning the word of God, that, that this is a family? And one of the great things about church and a gathering together of people is that when we come to church, we may not come from a good family, but we can come to church and have a family. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Amen? And, and, and as Brenda raised her hand, you know, someone whose parents are gone. So there's another example. There's so many examples where, you know, I, maybe you don't have a brother. You don't have a sister. You don't have, they've gone on to be with the Lord. They've passed away. There's, like I said, I could spend an hour on, on, on situations and scenarios. But the idea is that we see the church as a place that I can come and say, that's my family. And that being said, we know that every family has problems, amen? So you can't expect the church family to be perfect, just like your real family's not perfect. But the great thing is, is we all have a common denominator here this morning, which is that we love God and that we want to love each other, amen? And God will help us do that. God has a plan, and it was very simple, and if you go back to the beginning, it was God. He said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't want Adam to be alone. He gave him Eve. They began to multiply. He said, be fruitful and multiply. They began to build the family, and the family went from there. We know today that family that God established is totally twisted, destroyed, perturbed, messed up, gone, and we as a church can bring it back. How many believe that this morning? We as a church can bring the family back, amen? And we cannot be responsible for the family down the road or anywhere else, but we can be responsible for our family here. And we can say as a father, as a mother, as a, because this, this brings everybody in. You may not be parents this morning. You may be a single mom. You may be a single dad. You may not be that family thing, but you are a daughter, you are a son, you are a brother, you are a sister. You're somewhere in there, and you can say, I'm going to do my part to raise a covenant family. Amen? So let's go to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 5, and as we get there, I want to read this, this statement that actually Plato said. He said, listen, and if, if this doesn't speak of our nation today, I don't know what does. And, and I've been on the mission field. I've been to Africa. I've been to the Czech Republic. One thing I said in that magazine last, last year about missions was that everywhere I've gone, I've realized people are the same. We talk a different language. We have different cultures and we eat different food. But families are the same everywhere. So this could be preached around the world that we need to raise a covenant family. Because God didn't say, I'm gonna, I, wanna, I want the family to be raised in covenant in the United States. He wanted it to be everywhere, amen? But Plato said this, the life of a nation is the life of a family enlarged. The life of a nation is the life of a family enlarged. Look at our nation today as a general nation and look at what our family looks like. And Plato said that a long time ago. And so we need to understand that we cannot follow the leadership of the government to be our family example. We need to follow the laws of the land as long as they line up with the word of God. We need to be under authority. We're not here bucking the authority of our country. But if, if, if we're trying to be a godly family, we cannot follow the statutes of our country. 
because our country is going north or south quick and they're making all kinds of changes and we need to understand what God's will and what God's plan is. So Deuteronomy chapter 5 is really powerful and I'm going to read quite a few verses here if you'll be looking at your Bible about what God says about the family. And it says in verse 29 of Deuteronomy 5, Oh, they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep all my commandments that it might be well with them and with their children forever. I'm going to just stop there for one second and think about that. I believe, I'm, I'm, I've only been on this earth for 39 years, but from what I've heard, there was a time in our country where a vast majority of our country was God-fearing, Bible-believing people. There was a time. And we obviously are so far removed from that in the general status of our country now that we have taken prayer out of school, that we're trying to take God off the dollar bill. Where is the government doing everything we can to take the family and destroy it and not do anything that has anything to do with what God wants? Amen? And how many know that when God's hand is not on something, we're in trouble? We need God's hand on our families. And I want to tell you that as, I, as in my own family, I thank the Lord, as Carla was saying, for her parents being Christians and raising her in, in God. And obviously, you know, she shared what, what went on when, with her father-in-law going and getting bitter and going the other way and getting angry. And, and I've known him for that. It's been such a blessing for me as well. I share in that testimony, and it's always hard for me not to get choked up because I've known my father-in-law only that way. I've heard stories and heard about what he was like when he was younger, and I've seen glimpses in his life, but I've never known the father-in-law that is becoming now the man of God again that he once was. But I've been having the opportunity, thank God, to have God use me, and I remember being in Costa Rica. You know, I've known him, obviously, for 19 years, 20 years now, and I remember being over there for 10 years, and, and every Wednesday, and you know I love to eat, amen? I love food. And that's why I exercise, so I can eat. And every Wednesday, man, I'm telling you, some of the people in our church have been over there. I wish he could come start a Mexican restaurant here. I'm not trying to hate, but there is no good Mexican food, as far as I'm concerned, in, in, in Texas. I'm sorry. I'll eat it, and it's decent, but there isn't nothing like my father-in-law's restaurant. And nothing. And I wish he'd, as a matter of fact, me and Carla went and ate Mexican, I'm not going to say the name, ate Mexican last night, and I wish I wouldn't have eaten it. It was like... Velveeta cheese, microwave, you know, tomato sauce. It just And if you can cook in here and you're a Mexican and you can cook some good Mexican food, give me your address and give me a time and I'll come eat at your house and we'll figure out there's a good place. To, I, believe there, I believe it exists. It's just not in a restaurant. So every Wednesday I'd go over after church. It would, his restaurant was on the way home. And every Wednesday I did a dual purpose after church. I went by to see my father-in-law. And I went by to eat. Amen. And my father-in-law didn't charge me, praise God. So I got to eat for free. And I always, the waiters would come over. They knew exactly what I wanted. I never had to order. I never changed it. I'd always get a, and I'm going to get you a little hungry here. They'd bring me a tortilla soup. Nice big bowl, best tortilla soup you've ever had. And then they'd bring me a big old quesadilla with carne asada in it. With some good old cheese and some sour cream on top. And that's what I'd eat every Wednesday. But I'd go by there so I could talk to him and just sit with him. And, and I always prayed, and it's so awesome to hear what's going on with him now. I always prayed, God, what can I say to him? All I can do is be an example. Every week I'd go, and for 10 years, 
His, he watched his daughters be raised up under us in the ministry and in church. Very rarely ever came to church. Very rarely ever were, was able to feed into his life in that way. But I knew, I just kept saying, God, all I can do is go there and be an example to him and hope that he sees the longevity of my life, sees how I treat my wife, sees how I treat my daughters, see how I treat his daughter, amen? And we've seen that come to pass. And since, this, since, he, since he's really gotten on fire, he, he, I send him a, that verse that I send out to you. I send it to his email. Every day he responds back. And I remember when, when my father, brother-in-law and sister-in-law first got back uh, and they were sharing with him that they would came and gotten saved and they were going to go to church, uh, he sent me a long email. And reading it, I couldn't believe it was my father-in-law. It was just like, I, it, wasn't, it wasn't a general God thing. It was Holy Spirit and regeneration and touch the children and di- destiny. And it was just, a, I was like, who is this guy? And so at, since then, every single day, he responds back to me and he says something powerful like, praise God, hallelujah, God bless your family. You know, it's just been awesome to have a, and I've always loved my father-in-law. He's a great man, but it's been awesome to have now this kind of relationship spiritually with him. But I say all that to say this. We can be an influence. Men, you can be an influence on your children. Women, you can be an influence on your children. You are an influence. Amen. We've got to understand that that this has got to be more than religion for us if we want our children to make it. We have got to understand that I've got and can and have a wonderful responsibility to to be a light to my children. Amen. And even in the church setting, maybe you don't have kids here. Maybe your kids are older. Uh, Whatever the situation is, I'm not trying to take time on the scenarios. There's a call and a responsibility in this setting for us to raise the family together. Amen. You, You know, we can raise the children together. We can be an example. We can love on each other's kids. These kids can have examples of men and women to look up to. Amen. That they don't look out at the world for the examples of how we're supposed to live. But that they look at the church. Amen. So I said that because this verse is showing us of something that seems so far removed from where we are today, but we can get back to it. All that they had, and I don't know if you noticed it was past tense, such a heart. All that they had, such a heart in them that they would wonder, they would, sorry, fear me and keep always my commandments, and it might be well with them and their children forever. Keep reading with me. Verse 30. Go and say to them, return to your tents. But as for you, stand here by me, and I will speak to you all the commandments, the statutes, the judgments, which you shall, what? Teach them, that they may observe them in the land which I'm giving them to possess. Therefore, you shall be careful. How many know we need to take God's word carefully? We should be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. And look at this. You shall not turn aside to the right or to the left. Church, we can't, we can't take time off from God. We can't go on vacation with God. We can't take this summer and go, well, I'll see you in September, God. It's summer. We've got to stay the course. When you begin to go, church, parents, adults, when you begin to go to the left or the right, your, parent, your kids are right behind you. Thank God for a child that can make its own. Thank God for a Daniela that comes to church without parents here and does her walk with the Lord and stays strong, amen. It's far and few in between. And she's got a family here that helps raise her in the godly ways. But let me tell you something. When you go left, your kids go left. When you go right, your kids go right. That's how God established it. He established that as parents, we would lead. And he says, don't go left. Don't, don't go right. He says, verse 33, walk 
in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you. Look at this, that you may live and it may be well with you and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. Do you see the promises of God in these scriptures? It is God's plan and God's will that we would walk in his statutes and his plans and his commandments and that we would be happy. Amen. We would be happy. Let me tell you something. There is nothing greater than being in a family that serves God. Amen. And now it's not, don't have to stop you if your whole family doesn't serve. Like I said, if you're here and you're a single mom and it's you and your child, that's your family. Okay? It's, it's, it's not exactly how God wanted it to be, but it is what it is. And you make the choice to serve your, your God how it is. Amen? Don't keep crying over the past. Don't keep wondering what could have been. Walk with what is. Amen? Because you can't go back and unscramble scrambled eggs. Amen. Somebody, some people have been knocking their heads forever and, and, and dying on the wrong battlefield trying to unscramble scrambled eggs. Once it's done, it's done. All you can do is go forward with what you have. You are today who you are as a family. And it is what it is. And now God says, as you are, walk in these ways and live that it will be well with you. And I will prolong your days. Children that are here listening, teenagers, you want to have a long life? Listen, obey, respect, and honor your parents. Amen. Listen, obey, love, honor, and respect your parents. The Bible says that. It's a promise that you will have a long life. You think, oh, my parents don't know what they're talking about. No, they've just been through everything you've been through, but we don't know anything. Amen. Teens today have lost their innocence. There's teenagers committing suicide all the time because they have no hope. If a teenager has no hope in his home, where does he have it? If a teenager can't get his hope in his home, where would he look? And one of the problems that we as a church, not putting the responsibility on us, as a church cannot do, is we cannot be a church that preaches watered-down messages, that raises kids without the truth and without the words they need to hear, without sometimes hitting between the eyes, amen? I was raised in a church where they preached the truth, amen? And they said it like it was, and you know what? I needed it. And, and we need to be that way. We need to be a church that doesn't have empty worship. We need to have a purpose behind everything. We need to have uh, Bible teaching and, and word in this church that goes further than Monday. Amen. It needs to last into the end of the week. It needs to last till we get back here on Wednesday. We already talked about music. I'm not even going to go into that. We spent a lot of weeks on that. The problem with our kids today is not our government, our schools or our, even our church, it's in the family. The responsibility for, uh, for this world lies in the family. I know so many people who try, and we used to see this a lot in Costa Rica, try to send their kids to church, drop them off at the door, and let the church raise their kids. Well, thank God they do that. That's m definitely much better than nothing. But that doesn't work. They're going to go back home. You need to raise your kids. Amen. School's not going to raise your kids the right way. Amen. The church hopefully is going to teach them the truth. Amen. And we're believing for that. But it's your job to teach your children. It's your job to feed your children. It's your job to minister to your children. 
Spend time with your children. Watch them. See what they're doing. Invest into their lives. There's three things we need. We need real people. We need the real gospel. And we need a real church. I'm going to say that again. Amen. How many want that? We need real people. We need the true, real gospel. And we need to be a real church for us to stand in this area. Proverbs 22.6 is a verse I've said for 20 years now. Instruct a child, train a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Don't think that your kids ain't getting it. They're getting it. They're getting it. Amen? I've seen it time and time again. What saddens me as a pastor, and I've seen this just even a lot even this year, is we've seen people come into our church as a family. And, and people that me, even me and Carla have personally re, 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 witnessed to and ministered to and talked to, seeing them come in and realize as a family they need to be in church and realize they need to go to church, realize they need to serve the Lord, and they come and, and, they, and their kids go back to our, nurse, our Sunday school and they love it and they love our church and they tell their mom and dad, this is a good church, let's stay here, and here they're not here today. They're gone. I don't know where they're at. Maybe they're going somewhere else, but as far as what they're telling me, they're not. I don't understand that. I don't understand why you would find a church that your kids like. Not that that should be the only reason you find a church, because I've seen people do that too. They'll go for the program, and the kids' program is real good, but the, the church ain't doing anything. So that's not right either. But I don't understand why someone would come to a church and their kids would love the church and it's a Bible-preaching church, a spirit-filled church, a church is, that loves people, and then they, their kid would say, I want to go to that church, Dad. I want to go to that church, Mom. I liked it, and then they don't bring them. I don't understand that. If anybody got an answer for that, you'd see me after church. I don't understand that. Kids, kids, kids are good barometers, amen, of, of a church. They, they see past. Those fake things that adults miss sometimes because we're fake too sometimes. Amen. They see past it. There's always been, I don't know why, I don't know if it's because we work with kids for so long. There's always been an anointing on this place for kids. You can ask anybody in here. Kids come in here and they go, I like this church. We don't have anything special. We don't even have a playground. If you go back to our Sunday school rooms, they're just normal rooms with four walls. Amen. Our teachers aren't uh, educated in Sunday school teaching. But there's a love here for kids, and for some reason, kids love this church. Amen. That anointing needs to be on our, our church for family. We don't have all the programs, all the money, all the things we'd like to have. I wish we had a gym. I wish we had a playground. I wish we had a lot of things. But the one thing we have is an understanding that we need to raise our families in church and in God. Amen. So here's a few promises that happen when you begin to raise your family in church. Number one, you get the promise of a future. When you raise your kids in church, when you come to church, when you are in the family of God, you are promised raising something for your future. Something is happening for your future. Do you think you're wasting your time here this morning? Or do you think God is doing something in your life? Amen. This is for your future and your kids are watching. You can't expect your kids to go to church when they get older if you don't go to church. You can't expect your kids to pray if you don't pray. You can't expect your kids to read the Bible if they don't see you reading the Bible. We cannot raise children with the attitude of do as I say, not as I do. Don't smoke, child, as you whiff that cigarette. Amen? Don't drink, child, as you throw back the bottle. 
Those kids are going to do what you do. Because let me tell you something. Our world has superheroes, but in a kid's eye, mom and dad are the superheroes. And there's, that's never going to change. I believe God put it that way. I believe God put it in a child's heart to automatically look at that mom and dad like they're a superhero, like they can run up any wall, jump over any mountain, and do anything. God placed that in them. That's why the world's so messed up, because you've got these children, if their mom or dad is not in their life, they're automatically inside of them seeking that relationship that is not there. They don't understand it. They don't understand why it's not there. We have people in this church today, several people, many people, who've never even met their dad. Never even met him. Don't even know what he looks like, maybe from a picture. But I'm telling you, how is a person like that able to thrive but by the grace of God? But by the grace of God. Amen. That, that could come into a church. Where else is a person who's never met their dad going to be able to come and see the, a father figure? See the qualities in a person's life that his mom or his dad? Only in church. Only in the body of Christ. I don't have a dad, you say, but you can look at people in this church. You can say, you're my dad spiritually. Amen? I'm going to look up to you. You saw what my father, and we haven't talked what he did this morning was a perfect lay-in for, for this message as he put his arm around Andy and said, I'm, I prophesy over you. I'm proud of you. I, I see something in you. That's him being a father to the fatherless. Amen. That's something that you can only get when you're around a family of believers. Amen. How in the world are you going to raise a family if you don't know how to raise a family if you've never been raised? You're going to do what you learned by your parents. Church and family and the word of God will get you in a setting like this that will teach you, hey, that's not how you do it. This is what the Bible says. These are some things that you should do. These are some things that you should not do. And if you look at a person's life, you say, well, how exactly do I know? Begin to look around at some families in the church that you see that are successful. Now, I know that everything you see is not as it is at home. But look in the general picture. Amen. There is no perfect family, but I guarantee you there's some families in this church. There's some single moms in this church. There's some single dads in this church. There's some people in this church that are doing it right, and they've got the right heart, and they're seeing some fruit, and you can watch their life and say, I'm going to learn from them because I see fruit in their lives. Amen. Promise of a future. Meaning, you know, a lot of people today spend all their time as parents focused on the financial of their future, of their kids. How many parents do we have today who have a college fund for their kids but have never spent any time with them? Never taught them how to love. Never taught them anything. But there they got a college education waiting for them. Well, praise God. That's wonderful. So they're going to be smart and they're going to get a job. But they're going to be horrible parents. Come on. I'm not saying that mean. When I talk about the future, I'm talking about a spiritual future. Amen. It's great to have an education. It's great to put money aside for college. But are you raising your children in God? Are you giving them something that's going to be eternal? Number two is there's a promise that you'll have a godly family. Look at Deuteronomy 6. Right there in that next chapter. And look at what verse 4 and 5 says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. 
And he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your might. And these words, which I have commanded to you, you shall today be in, they shall today be in your heart. Now look at this. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. That's pretty often. So that doesn't mean that you say, well, when we get to church on Sunday, listen to your Sunday school teacher. They're going to teach you how to live. No, you do it on Monday and Thursday and Friday and at night going to bed and waking up and you're in their life and you're speaking over them and you're teaching them how to live. And that's promising them a future as a family. I want to ask you a question this morning. I want to be real and honest. What hope, what possibility, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean this morning, but I just have, it's a real question. What hope and possibility do these children that are being adopted by homosexual parents have for the future to have a normal family? What hope? How? How will that work? How will that happen? That's, that's what the devil's doing today. It, it doesn't matter how somebody feels they were born. It doesn't matter how somebody it has gone in a direction. The Bible still says, the Bible still says that God established a man and a woman to raise children. Amen? A man and a woman to raise children. Now, these kind of statements are being less and less popular every day, but I don't see anywhere in the Bible we're supposed to be popular. We're supposed to be right. We love anybody who's a homosexual. We just don't love their sin. We don't love the lifestyle they've chosen. We don't love the lifestyle they're walking in. But my question is, how will those children have an opportunity to see a mother and father? They won't. And it's going to continue to go in a direction that's going to be wrong. A man, and this isn't, this isn't macho-ness or, or feminine-ness. This is a man needs to learn how to act like a man. And a woman needs to learn how to act like a woman. There's a way a woman acts and there's a way a man acts. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Can you say amen? And so we have to have that in the family. And, and that's another reason why today I can promise you that that situation is happening. If you have a, you, you have to have the church family help you today, church. The church family's got to help you. Because if you're here as a single mom, listen to this, and you don't have a husband, who's going to teach your child how to act like a man? Someone in the church. Because you're either going to have that child learn from somebody on the streets, or you're going to have that child learn from someone in church. I choose that my children learn how to act like a woman in church, not at the club. Come on. So you can raise your children. See, this is where the hope comes in for those single moms and dads who don't have a husband. Divorces happen. Where's their hope? Their hope is that they can have people in the church that will help raise them and be godly and be an example to them. Loving God is a foundation for your family. You know what happens when you love your wife, husband, and husband, you, wife, you love your husband? You know what happens? You raise good kids. My pastor taught me one of the things, one of the, those, those many things I've learned, but one of the things that stays near the top is he says, love, your, love each other. 
He says one of the best things you can do for your children is love each other. That those children would see, not that they would never see an argument, arguments are going to happen. Although you can try to do them when they're not around. Not that they're not going to see normality in human life, but that they would see that kiss, that they would see the hands held, that they would see a hug, that they would see time being spent together, that they would see a genuine love and respect for one another. Amen? I don't just open the door for my wife because I love my wife only. I also open the door because I'm raising two girls that I want them to look for a man who's going to open the door for them too. There's more than one reason why you do things. I'm training my children in what to look for. If I had a boy, then my boy would be watching me open the door for my wife at the car. But I'm training my daughters to look for something. Amen. How many get what I'm saying? And it's not just what we do at church. My daughters haven't learned when I'm up here at the pulpit. They've learned at home. They've learned on the street. They've learned. That's what we've got to remember. It's an ongoing everything. And that sincere love that you have in your heart goes a long way to raising a family. Young people are looking, listen, for parents who are really sincere. Really, really sincere. I've said this before, and I honestly believe it. If you want to know And I'm not saying go do this after church, but if you want to know who a person is in this place and they have kids, go have a conversation with their kids. I'm not saying go do it. I'm not trying to open up a can of worms here. Amen. I'm just saying when you hear from the kids, amen, I want want to be able to live a life that's transparent that I could say, go talk to my daughters. Go ask my daughters who I am. Go ask my daughters how I am. If they came back and said anything negative, I'd work on it. How many get what I'm saying? Being transparent, being real. That your, that your kids, I mean, the worst thing, hypocrisy is horrible. But it's worse when it's with your own family. Amen, it's an added degree. I want to live a life that my daughters can talk good about me and don't have to put up a front and stumble over words. Somebody says, hey, how's your dad treat your mom? Hey, how does your dad treat you? Hey, what does your dad do at home? Hey, amen. I don't want them to stumble over their words. I want them to be right on. Yeah, he's, he does this, he does this, amen. How many are with me? It's a desire we should have. The strength of the love of a family has God as a foundation. Look at the, church, look at the families that go to church and stay in church. Not perfect, but strong. Teach these diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in your house and when you're together. I'm going to close with this. I didn't get very much into my notes. Spiritual training, again, is the parent's responsibility. And, and I'm, I've got some ways that you can teach, and there's too many to go into, but the best thing I want to get out of this today, and I just kind of hit it for a second, a second ago, is that you personally, I talk a lot about in our services about you working on your personal relationship with the Lord. As you work consistently as a, as a body, as a family, as a husband, as a wife, as a son, as a daughter, as a cousin, a brother, an uncle, an aunt, as you work personally on your relationship vertically with the Lord, it enhances and takes care of all of your other relationships. I cannot love my wife if I do not love God with all my soul, all my heart, all my mind, and all my strength. I cannot love my daughters the way I'm supposed to love my daughters if I don't love God 
all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength. How many are following that? I can't love anybody. And so when the things begin to get out of whack and we begin to go off to the left or to the right, there's only one thing that needs to be done. We need to come back to the altar of God. And we need to say, God, I need to get vertical again. Amen? How many know that it's so easy to begin to look all around and see all the horizontal things that are going on and all the problems and and focus on those things? But as you focus on all those horizontal things, you do nothing but focus and look and see. Nothing gets changed. But when you get to your knees and you humble yourself as a person and you say, God, I feel like I'm going off to the left or the right. I'm going back up again. And you begin to work on your relationship with the Lord. Those horizontal relationships begin to fall back into place. Amen. That's the example I'm giving of my father-in-law. I couldn't do anything to convince my father-in-law. All I could do was stay the course in my life. I'm not the only one that influenced him, good or bad. But all I could do in my father-in-law's life, all I could do in my future brother-in-law, praise God's life, as an agnostic, is be who I am. I think one of the things that helped him a lot was that he came, we spent time together, and he saw that I was normal. Amen? Normal. And we hung out and we had fun, but we didn't do things probably he does with other friends. But we had fun. And our fun was clean. Amen? And I influenced him. I've been teaching you for a long time, church. The influence is always going to happen. Are you influencing somebody else or is somebody else influencing you? And as your life is strong and your relationship is strong vertically with God, the people around you are going to be influenced by you, not you influenced by them. Musicians, you can come this morning. I want you to focus on that this morning and think about that, what I'm saying. When you begin to let your eyes off of Jesus Christ, and my wife said it about her father, the reason my father-in-law fell and went off into the things he went off to and got to that anger and, and, and hatred for church and, and bitterness and judgmentalness is because he took his eyes off Jesus. When you get your eyes off of Jesus, there's nothing that cannot happen. But when you say, God, I need to get my eyes back on on the Lord. And here's what you need to do. Stay focused on me. Here's what you need to do. There's a verse that says, and, and I always know it better in Spanish than I do English. Retener lo bueno, deshacer lo malo. Is anybody in Spanish here going to help me with that? Keep the good, get rid of the bad. Okay, as you, in this church, if this is your family, and you come in and you see something that is good, you go, that's, I'm, I'm going to follow that right there. Okay, and, you, and you, you, you record it there. Okay, that's good. And if you see something that's not good, you throw it out. Amen? We're so good at holding on to the bad. And spitting out the good. As judgmental people that we are, many times we see somebody do something good over and over again, and then one time they make a mistake, that's where we stamp them. Right? Parents, that's not fair with your kids. Kids, that's not fair with your parents. People, that's not fair with the church. On and on. Amen? We need to look at the big picture. And you look around and you and you and you focus on your relationship with the Lord, then as you go on, you go, okay, good. Bad, good, bad, and whatever you see, spit out the bad, take in the good. 
learn. And, and you'll begin to probably find if you're in a church that's the church is supposed to be, is the good's going to way outweigh the bad. The bad's going to be there. There was an old saying that the higher you get up a ladder, the more your underwear shows. Amen? You're going to have some times with some, some humanness shows through. But you got, you got to be real. Be real with your parents. I think I, I don't have it all together. I haven't arrived yet. I still got a girl that's going to be a freshman this year, and I can't believe that. And she told me that the other day, and I told her to be quiet. <laughs> she had to stay in tier two. She won't mind me saying that she had to stay in tier two, which is really not even punishment. It's just not a benefit because Lake Dallas High Schools or Lake Dallas Schools have a really cool thing that everybody gets out June, whatever it was, 5th, 6th. And if they do all their tests right, they get to get out two weeks early. So it's actually just a benefit. But if you miss any of those star tests, you got to stay the full, full time. And so she missed her history one by one question. And she was devastated because she got like a 95 in the class. But she missed her star by one. And her teacher wanted to not make her go to tier two. And so she ended up having to stay and she's all bitter about it. And she had to go two more weeks. And so we helped her understand it wasn't a punishment and all that. We said that because Friday when we picked her up, we were driving around and we said, well, our plan didn't work. We told her, because she said, I'm a freshman now. I said, well, our plan didn't work. But we were really, we were really trying to get you to stay back so you wouldn't go on to be a freshman and keep you in eighth grade another year. She didn't like that very much. You don't want to see your kids grow up. Hey, Amen. My, my oldest is already in college and it, it goes fast. But I can tell you what, I'm, I, me and my wife haven't raised perfect kids but our daughters love the Lord. They're serving God. And, and I'm telling you some things as a father that we've done. I'm telling you some things from the scriptures we've tried to work on. And, and, and I've tried to teach my daughters how to, how to love my wife. My wife's loved me. and We've been married 19 years. Like I said, we don't have a perfect family, but we're a good family that loves the Lord. And that's a desire we should all have. And as a church family, my daughters have examples. I'm pointing over here and she's back here. My daughters have examples that they can look at and pray for destiny. She's sick this morning. She's got a fever. We, we, they've got examples in this church that they can look up to. They've had examples in Costa Rica they can look up to. But what did they, what did they do when they didn't see the spiritual grandfather in Costa Rica that they needed? Did they stop serving God? No, they looked somewhere else in the church. Probably found a grandpa there and looked up to him. Didn't get bitter. Prayed for every single night we prayed for their grandfather. Prayed for their aunts. Saw the prayer work. There's so much power in prayer. There's so much power in believing for the salvation of your family. Amen? And, and just saying, you know what? I'm going to raise a good family this morning. Raising a covenant family. Let's pray this morning. Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for all these people that are here. Thank you for these hearts. we got sons, daughters, fathers, brothers, sisters, mothers, aunts, uncles, every kind of person here this morning. And some of us are more than one. But God, we, we really want to be raised in a covenant family. 